This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Your official station to talk Giants. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. Just not good enough. Flat out unacceptable, honestly. You can't have it from either baseball team. Now, I want to start with the Yankees, and we'll get into the Mets in a little bit. Just another, you know, lackluster effort offensively from the Mets where too many times you've you've seen that. I know this year they've been pretty good record-wise, but overall they just have not looked like a good team. But the Yankees, you know, they are held to the highest of standards. And maybe one day the Mets will get there. Their payroll we know is already there, but... And it's really the combo of the two, but I want to start with the Yankees here because you could have argued last night, you know, we did a lot of the Rangers stuff last night coming off of that frustrating loss, but you could have made a case that the Yankees, again, struggling, losing to Minnesota, were a big deal. But now on top of it, another loss, clinching. I mean, this is how you know that the Yankees are in a little bit of trouble here. And I'm not saying that the Yankees aren't going to make the postseason. You'd have to be an idiot to say that. Now, I mean, is it possible? I guess anything is possible, but but this is it's way too early. The Yankees in a bad year, as we say all the time, they win 90-plus games. They're ravaged with injury right now. But still, you know something is wrong when the New York Yankees lose a season series to the Minnesota Twins. What? Are you kidding me? I mean, it's bad enough losing a game or two. The fact that they lost the first two at home last week, that was an issue. Had to come back and salvage the split with the Twins in that four-game series. Now, here we are in Minnesota. The Yankees lose the first two games and really, I mean, non-competitive games at that. First time since 2001 the Twins have taken a season series from the Yankees. That is how you know something is wrong with the New York Yankees. And then you look at the lineup to take a step further, and you realize, wow, something is really wrong. Now, you can use whatever excuse you would like. Oh, it's always the same stuff. Oh, Bader's hurt, and he's coming back. Yeah, big deal. Harrison Bader is not here to be an offensive force. Harrison Bader is here to play center field. He's supposed to improve the defense in center field. And let Judge get some rest in right field. Or, you know, take it easier on himself on that big body is in right field. Although center has not been an issue for Aaron Judge, of course. But, you know what I mean. The wear and tear of center field. Bader's a center fielder. Let Judge play right. And the Yankees needed a left fielder. They didn't get one. 
Now with Bader hurt to start the year, I mean, we're looking at outfields with IKF, Aaron Hicks, Franchi Cordero. I mean, what is going on here? Willie Calhoun's the DH? What? This is the New York Yankees. I mean, you've got Boone said, oh, we got to be better with the Yankees. Yeah, well, look at the lineup. Uh, and I would even joke and say, well, that looks like a pirate lineup, but the pirates lineup is better. I mean, the pirates are better right now. Oh, that looks like an Oriole lineup. No, the Orioles are better right now. Maybe like an A's lineup or a Royals lineup. Think about it. This is the New York Yankees. Willie Calhoun? You know, Peraza coming up. The Yankees relying on the young guys. Even Volpe, and I know he's starting to hit, but now the defense starting to come into question with Volpe, making another error where defensively he has not been very good to be your shortstop. You almost feel like the Yankees, and look, you know why they made that decision, and I do love Volpe as a player, but all the talk about Peraza and what he is defensively, you know, that you feel like the Yankees are playing guys out of position where Peraza should be at short if he's up here, and maybe you find another spot for Volpe. Anyway, it's not about that, obviously, right now. It's about their lineup being inept. You know, a couple of things are happening here in comparison to last year, which makes it a little bit worse. And I always thought last year the Yankees were playing way over their heads. You know, the comparisons early on in 98, they were never that good. Now, obviously, they were good enough to get to the ALCS, but they were never 1998 good. You were kidding yourself if you believe that. But a couple of things are different. Number one... Aaron Judge is not doing what he did a year ago. Now, nobody thought that he was going to go out there and hit 60-plus home runs. And, by the way, there's still plenty of time for him to do that. But right now, Judge is not carrying the offense the way that he did a year ago. It was basically a one-man show for the majority of the year. Number two, Jose Trevino. What did he do last year? He played at an all-star level. The guy was an all-star, a legitimate all-star, which helped mask some of the other weaknesses in that Yankee lineup. Well, Trevino is not doing that this year. One other difference from last year, Matt Carpenter. Carpenter also was masking a lot of the fundamental weaknesses that the Yankees had up and down their lineup, the roster construction, because of Matt Carpenter going on the tier that he did out of nowhere. It made up for guys like Josh Donaldson, who were expected to produce but didn't. And yet here we are with Stanton missing, Bader missing, Donaldson missing. Glaber Torres is cooled off. Obviously, he wasn't in there yesterday, but Glaber Torres is cooled off. And there are a lot of issues here with this Yankees team and the construction of the roster. The other thing that is happening in baseball that's different from last year is the Rays. Now, they finally lost the game, but geez, the Rays are 20-4. and four. And you even get the Orioles playing well. Toronto off to a good start. You know, both the Orioles and Blue Jays at 15 wins. And the Yankees sitting in fourth place seven games back as we approach May. Now, it's way too early to be looking at the standings. I understand that. However, look at the team. And then look at the teams in front of them. This is not one team where you look at it and say, well, it's Tampa. They'll cool off eventually. Yeah, they might. But are they going to cool off enough for the Yankees to catch them in that division? You know, at seven now, it might be worse in another week or two. But that's something that didn't happen a year ago where it was the Yankees who got off to the hot start and really never looked back in that division. 
But this is, uh, look, we've complained about the Yankees. See, here's where it's different from a few years ago. Prior to the year that they lost uh, to the Red Sox in the wild card round, right? Last year, we know what happened in the ALCS. The year before that, in 2021, we complained about the Yankees in the regular season for the first time in a while because usually the regular season isn't a problem for the Yankees. They have that master. The regular season is theirs. Division or not, they're going to make the playoffs, and you don't worry about it or them until the postseason. Well, that changed in 2021 where we were calling, people were calling and we were concerned and talking about Boone, talking about Cashman, maybe it's time for a change here in philosophy. It's just not working. Same old things. And then they went out there and finally tried to add a lefty bat with Joey Gallo. They make the trade for Rizzo. And the Yankees and Cashman made enough acquisitions to get themselves into the postseason, albeit a quick out where they were one and done in the wild card game against the Red Sox. But still, at least in the regular season, we were all going nuts saying everybody should be fired. They still won over 90 games, 92 games, I believe, and made the playoffs. But that was really the first time we were concerned about this team in the regular season. Last year was kind of back to the old ways where, all right, you know, they're fine playing like the 98 Yankees. Look at their record and running away with the division. But then they fell off. But they had such a huge lead that it really didn't matter. Nobody got close to them. But they did fall off, really, the cliff. It wasn't like they dipped a little bit. They came way back down. But obviously, it was more than enough to win the division. And then we saw what happened in the playoffs. They beat Cleveland, and then they get swept by the Astros. And then this offseason, what did the Yankees do to get better? They were relying on a full year of Harrison Bader. Well, I mean, that hasn't happened. They were relying on a bounce-back year. From Josh Donaldson. Well, that hasn't happened. They brought in Carlos Rodon. Well, he hasn't pitched. They're hoping to keep other guys healthy and productive, whether it's Glaber, whether it's Stanton. That hasn't happened. They're relying on the young guys. Volpe's been off to a slow start, both defensively and offensively, although the average is creeping up now over 200. But still. They're relying on LeMayu to get back healthy, which, all right, uh, you know, LeMayu has been a contributor and you know, the average close to now 300 early on this year. But think about what the Yankees have elsewhere. They did not build a strong enough Yankee-like roster. Simple as that. And they happen to find themselves now in the toughest division in Major League Baseball in the AL East. And you don't want to look at the standings because it really doesn't matter here in April. But, man, seven games back of what we believe to be legitimate teams or a team in the Rays and then the Blue Jays and even the Orioles are, you know, look, the Yankees should be better than really all three of those teams. But they've dug themselves a hole, and those teams aren't fluky. Like, I think you look at the Pirates – and say, all right, well, Pittsburgh's off to a nice start, but come on, seriously. They're not going to be able to keep up this pace. 16-8 and eight leading the NL Central right now. They're not going to be that good. I don't think anybody looks at the Rays and says, well, they're not going to be a legit playoff team. You look at the Pirates, they're not a legit playoff team, right? You look at the Rays, you say, well, that, I mean, they're legit. They might not be 20-4 and four good. You know, I doubt you're going to look up and see the Rays at 40-8. and eight. 
Although, I don't know with them. Who knows? But they're legit. The competition in the AL East is legit. The Yankee lineup is not legit. It's embarrassing is what it is. Too many times this Yankee, you know, this Yankee lineup, I had, uh, was talking to Terry Collins today. He was in studio over at SNY on Baseball Night New York. And I was joking around with him saying, Terry, this Yankee lineup looks a lot like the lineups that used to run out there in 2012, 13, and 14. John Mayberry Jr., Eric Campbell, and that's what the Yankees, that's what the, I mean, the Yankees got, come on now. Willie, this is the New York Yankees. Willie Calhoun, Franchi Cordero, Aaron Hicks. IKF playing center on occasion. Two young guys with Volpe and Peraza. Remember, last year, if not for Aaron Judge going nuts, we all saw it. Their offense wasn't good enough. It's another game where the Yankees strike out a bunch and don't get enough hits. No homers, nine strikeouts, only eight hits. It's just not good enough. And they are held to higher standards, and they should be held to higher standards. And I don't want to hear about the excuses. And we saw the, you know, people tweeting about all oh, the amount of money that's on the payroll right now. Yeah, look at the Mets. Look at the money that's on the IL for them. The Yankees payroll, the amount that's on the IL. Look at the Mets. Every team's got issues. The more you spend, obviously, the more likely you are to have a higher payroll that's on the IL. But that's not an excuse for the Yankees or the Mets. And it, if anything, it plays more to the point where they didn't build the team the right way. Because you're relying on guys that are always freaking hurt. I'll go back to, I always say the same thing, and I'll chalk. And look, Stanton's a really good guy. He's a stand-up guy. Accountable, which I love. He's one of the great power hitters of this generation. There's no disputing that. However, since he's become a Yankee, he has not once lived up to the expectations of what they thought they were getting at that trade prior to, you know, in the 2018 offseason. After getting to Game 7 of the ALCS in 2017, they went all in for John Carl Stanton. Gave up nothing except whether it's financial flexibility or positional flexibility. That's what they gave up, preventing them from getting Manny Machado or Bryce Harper or others along the way. Preventing them from finding a better fit than John Carl Stanton. And outside of the first year, Stanton has never been healthy here. And even he is frustrated by it and knows it's unacceptable. So if he knows it, then I sure as hell can sit here and say it comfortably without offending him. The reality is Stanton has been a problem for this Yankees team. And I will say at that point, looking back now, I didn't like it then, but no doubt in my mind, looking back on it, that was the move that changed the trajectory or changed the course of this Yankees franchise for the worst because they were on the right path. Now, look, they had Girardi there. It was a little different, but, you know, it was the end for Girardi anyway. You knew that that was going to end that year. It just so happened that they exceeded expectations getting to Game 7 of the ALCS. But that, then they bring in Stanton, and it has been not downhill ever since, but kind of flatlined ever since. Now, I'm not trying to tie in this year's future results to what's going on right now. I know that the Yankees will at some point get healthier. I know the Yankees at some point will get better. But you do need to at least be a little bit concerned as to what we're seeing here. When the Yankees get pasted by the Twins and you look at that lineup that needs desperately to be 
cleaned up. You talk about trimming the fat. I mean, Calhoun, Cordero, Hicks, get them out of here. Franchi Cordero was a nice story for the first couple of weeks. Guess what? He turned back into Franchi Cordero. There's a reason why we were all shocked that he was hitting so many homers. This is it. Brian Cashman and the Yankee front office hasn't done enough. We'll get to your calls. And the Mets on the other side. The Mets find themselves playing bad baseball after having such a good West Coast trip, a good start to their West Coast trip. Now, all of a sudden, they start to play some poor baseball. Losers of three straight. And it's with the Braves coming to town this weekend. An unacceptable, pathetic effort by the Mets offense. At home, too. They come back home. It's like they forget how to play baseball. What, are they scared of the fans at City Field? I don't understand it. We'll get to them, plus your calls on the other side. 877-337-6666. Going on 2 a.m. on this now, well, what is it? Uh, Tuesday night. Salicata on the fan. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Let them have it. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. What a big win for the Islanders. Who thought that the Islanders would extend that series? Now, all of a sudden, putting the pressure on the Canes. As there will be Game 6 on the island. Uh, coming up on Friday night, and boy, you get the Knicks and Islanders. I hate that they're on the same days, but I guess it's better than the Knicks and Rangers being on the same day. Anyway, Knicks and Islanders Friday night uh, in their big, well, the Knicks, if necessary, Game 6. The Islanders, we now know, is necessary. Game 6 at UBS as they get a tremendous win, 3-2, beating the Canes. And we talked about it last night with the Rangers not having that killer instinct. Well, all of a sudden, you look at the Canes now as potentially being vulnerable. If the Islanders could go in there in a game where Carolina had a chance to close out the series, you know, you you don't win that game five, just like the Rangers messing around last night. You don't win that game five. Now, all of a sudden, back home for the Islanders game six, all of a sudden, you find yourself in a game seven in round one against a team you were up 3-1 on. Not a good look for the Canes either. Anyway, big win for the Islanders. And hey, as for the Mets, before we get to your calls here at 877-337-6666, it is a a frustrating feeling watching a team that should be as good as the Mets are not be able to hit uh you know Josiah Gray of the Nationals who absolutely suck. Like the Nationals were built to lose games this year. And guess what? They're losing a lot of games. But then they come into City Field and embarrass the Mets 5 nothing. Like, I get it. It's one game. Anything could happen. But that's it's just unacceptable. And it's not. this is not even on Buto. Buto went, you know, for the Mets, goes four and two-thirds, allowed just two runs. You know, the bullpen came in, wasn't very good. Yacobonis, everybody loves him uh, for the other day. But, you know, the, these guys, the Mets are trotting out guys in their bullpen, legit, that I've never heard of before. Like, legit. And I watch the team every single day for however long it's been. Like, enough with that. This is, we haven't even hit May. We haven't hit May, 
and the Mets are about 10 deep in their starting rotation, about 30 deep in their bullpen. I mean, it is ridiculous what we've had to win this year from a team with the highest payroll in Major League Baseball. And then you look at their lineup, and it's just not good enough. I mean, outside of Brandon Nimmo, who's been an MVP, Alonzo, obviously, and I'm not going to get on him if he doesn't do it on any particular night. Alonzo's been a stud as well with the power and the homers, and even more than just that. But you know what you're getting from the Stars? You know who's been awful? Starling Marte has been awful for the Mets this year. It's always something. Neck issue, grind issue. And Marte's a key part of this team. He's got to be better. He's been horrible for him this year. Coming up in big spots, he just hasn't looked good at all. He's been a zero form. Can't happen. When you don't have the depth in that lineup, it can't happen. Then you throw in, you know, they're relying on Beatty and Alvarez to produce, Vogel back at DH. They're just not good enough. You And it should never be the case where you lose 5 nothing at home and you get, you know, five hits in total against one of the worst teams in baseball. I don't understand how that happens. After an off day. Like, what are the Mets doing? They looked like a team on Saturday, and I've had enough of David Peterson, too. They they looked like a team on Saturday that was ready to come back home, right? They had a long West Coast trip, successful West Coast trip. On Saturday, well, all they had to do was win one of the final two games in San Francisco. They would have come home with an 8-2, 10-game West Coast trip. But they look like they were ready to come home on Saturday. So what do they do? They lose both Saturday and Sunday. All right, fine. 7-3, and three, come home, off day have the Nationals here, which should be a three-game sweeper before the Braves come to town. And what do the Mets do? They give you one of those B.C. before Cohen, Mets lethargic, pathetic performances that you can't even watch it so bad. The Nationals are a hideous baseball team. They have a fraction of the talent that the Mets have, even with all the injuries. Oh, by the way, good news on the injury front for the Mets. Justin Verlander, who was dealing with, as we were told on opening day, a very, very, very minor issue. He is slated to have a rehab start on Friday, which means he might actually take the mound for the Mets for real, like in a big league game that counts, in May. How about that? Maybe that first week in Detroit. That's the expectation. Knock on wood. Very, very minor issue that kept him out an entire month of the season. 877-337-6666. 877-337-6666. Leo is in Brooklyn. He'll start us off. What's up, Leo? Hi, Leo. Leo not there. Let's go to Roscoe is in Brooklyn. What's up, Roscoe? Ciao. I'm Roscoe. Glad you that, I'm glad that you realized that the Mets are, are just just above nothing. That They're the same thing as last year, even probably worse. But for you to sit here, on Tuesday and just like just bash the Yankees because we're in the seven we're seven games behind and, and, and our first series that we lose I'm not gonna allow it I'm not gonna allow it Sal because last year when we was killing them Roscoe 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 hold on a second Roscoe you don't hold on a second Roscoe you don't dictate what I talk about so when you say you're not gonna allow it bye Roscoe get lost hey Rosie just so you know. I don't talk to Roscoe. Let him call the other shows. I don't deal with Roscoe in Brooklyn because I have better callers than Roscoe. I actually want people to want to talk about sports. Roscoe 
is a babbling moron who doesn't know what he's talking about. So I need better callers than that when I'm doing a show. Therefore, Roscoe has been blocked. I know since I'm doing the evening show for Keith, maybe he didn't know that. So from now on, just have Roscoe blocked. And you know what's funny? I gave him a chance. And he's so stupid, he couldn't even make the most. I gave you, Roscoe, you know, this is what I do because I'm such a nice guy. I gave you an opportunity. And I think that's the greatest thing anybody could give anybody in life. An opportunity. It's up to you to make the most of it. And in this particular case, Roscoe, much like the team that you root for, you failed. You failed in this opportunity. You're so sensitive as a Yankee fan and such a homer that you don't understand the reality right now. They just lost a series to the Twins. They didn't lose their first series. They've now lost two consecutive series. One to the Blue Jays and now one to the Twins. And the Blue Jays won. All right, I mean, it's... Unfortunate that that's the first one that they lose of all teams to the Blue Jays, of course, one of the top rivals in the AL East, a team they're going to need to beat if they want to win the division, obviously. But we let that go. Losing to the Twins, however, something they have not done. They have not lost a season series to the Minnesota Twins since 2001. And you don't think it's a big deal. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. You look at that Yankee lineup, and that gets you excited. Willie Calhoun and Franchi Cordero. And Aaron Hicks. You think that's the Yankees? I'm sorry, but I have higher standards for the Yankees than you do, Roscoe. I'm sorry. But when you come on saying you're not going to allow it, guess what? You don't get to allow what I talk about. (laughs) I mean, that's funny. (laughs) What I'm not going to allow is you to ever call any show that I'm on again. Ken is calling from Queens. Hi, Ken. Yeah, how you doing, Sal? Yes. Great, Ken. How are you? Before uh, about Marte, you know, he's been with us for two years. I can count maybe on one hand how many times this guy comes through clutch with clutch, clutch hits. You know, it's just. I mean, I know. Yeah, there's nothing we can do. He's here, but. If I have to look at that DH with his fat belly for one more night, well, wait a second, Ken. You know, it has nothing to do with his weight. I mean, don't don't you don't have to be getting on somebody's physical appearance. I'm just saying, why you spend almost four hundred million on this team? Why are guys like Vogelback and some of these guys on this team? Okay. Get Mauricio up here. I don't care where he plays second, third. He's going to at least hit. We need hitters, Sal. And as far as the relief pitching, I well, look Well, let me ask you something, though. Well, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Before you get to the relief okay. pitching, you want hitters, right? Now you're calling for Mauricio. Like many Met fans who called for Beatty, who called for Alvarez, how are those guys hitting? They're not hanging out well, but right. it seems okay. like Mauricio... Just, I'm just, just, just for record's sake, I mean, I just want to make it known because you and everybody else, uh, you and everybody else, oh, Beatty, Beatty and Alvarez, Beatty and Alvarez, Beatty and Alvarez, bring them up here, get them in the lineup. Guess what? They're up here, they're in the lineup, they're not hitting. Yeah, yeah, well, Beatty I wanted. Alvarez I know is not ready. You can tell this guy is not ready for prime time, definitely not. But anyway, quickly... I see Andrew Schaefer out there every game. I go, why did these guys sign this lefty? He's done nothing but great things for Arizona. He only cost $7 million. I don't know why you don't go after him. What 
our GM is thinking sometimes. And, Sal, would it be ironic if the Islanders get to the next round and the Rangers don't? Let's think about uh, it. Ironic, uh, ironic is one word to use, Ken, and thank you for the call. But, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that, watching the Islanders celebrate their win in Game 5 on the road that, hey, I mean, there's a chance here where we're looking at Islanders' devils in Round 2. <laughs> I mean, that would... Uh, I'll tell you, if that's the case, somebody's got to pay for it with the Rangers. It may be irrational, but, they, I mean, something's got to get. And I love Gallant, but, but like, he's the obvious one. You can't, they can't. The Rangers cannot lose this series. After going up 2-0 in the fashion that they did, a team that's built to win the Stanley Cup, they cannot lose the series to the Devils. To boot, lose the series to the Devils and watch the Islanders move on. Islanders have some life now. Good for them. But, yeah, I mean, that's a possibility at this point. Anything's possible. Young Josh is calling from Passaic. What's up, Young Josh? Good, Sal. How are you? You know, it was just timing last night. It was nothing personal, Young Josh. I wanted to start the show talking Rangers, and here you come talking about the Devils. You know what I mean? Yeah, I understand that completely. It happens also with Keith sometimes where it's like talking Nets, and then the Knicks side comes up. We'll just slowly get him off. But with the Mets. I, I appreciate your understanding. What's on your mind tonight? So with the Mets also, um, my father went with my grandfather to the game tonight, and they said in the first row by a dugout, you know, to have a nice game, and it's international, so you'll to get a win. They just put out a dud, and you, you said Marte, the bases loaded, putting out that strikeout, and I understand what you're saying with, like, a college English club Mauricio, because we were saying call Alvarez and Beatty, and what have they done? So Beatty's okay, but Alvarez, if he's not getting, like, a home run or a single, he's striking out or grounding into double play every time. Yeah, and for the record, you know, I think Beatty's going to be fine, um, certainly uh, offensively. I think like Beatty just looks like a major leaguer, but it just to prove the point, and I think ultimately Alvarez will be um, somewhat successful at least. I don't know if he's going to be the biggest impact bat. He, he's looked overmatched here. At some point, you expect to see those guys produce, but it just just should you know make you remember everybody screaming for Beatty and Alvarez as if they were going to do what they were doing in the minor leagues at the major league level. Same thing with Mauricio. Oh, the guy's raking in AAA. He's killing. The, he's not going to cover off the ball. He's killing it. Bring him up. Bring him up. Well, what happens is when you bring them up to the majors, they're facing significantly better pitching, and then all of a sudden they don't hit. Anthony Volpe, same thing. Huge spring training, and look what Volpe has done to start his big league career. So it takes a while for guys to get acclimated and adjusted. You can't overreact or go nuts based off of minor league stats. Maybe you got to hope if with Mauricio, at least like one of your three prospects would be ready. And with Volpe, I know he's not hitting too well. At least he gets on base, which Beatty and Alvarez haven't shown too much. But and we're kind of at like the same moment we're at last year, right? Not Obviously not. We started a little better last year, but we're saying, oh, we need, right, we're not getting all those runs. We're not getting all those hits. I think this year the Mets are going to give us another Darren Ruff and Vogelbach. We're going to go for more bigger names. No, I think the Mets are going to get bigger names, assuming that they're out there. You have to remember, last year, as much as I wanted a bigger name, the only realistic option, I don't even know how realistic it was because he ended up getting traded along with Juan Soto, Josh Bell was my first choice for DH for the Mets last year. And none of those guys who got traded that were any sort of a name did anything after the trade deadline. So, I mean, there was really no right answer. This year in the offseason, I wasn't that caught up with the DH, I know the Mets needed a big bat, but um, it wasn't like there was one clear guy. You know, let's say if Kyle Schwarber was available, it wasn't like there was one clear guy that I want. I didn't care about JD Martinez. I think he's washed up, regardless of what he did against the Mets. Point being, I do think that they will get the biggest 
DH slash bat available that's realistic for him. You know, they're not going to get Otani if he's on the market. The Mets already said that. They're not going to go all in on him. But yes, I do think they're going to they're going to do better than what they did last year with Vogelback and Ruff. But if they did go after Otani, I mean, you'd fill him that pitching void because you know with Carrasco, you can never trust when the ball's in his hand. But I was, what I was trying to say last night with the Rangers is that two things. To solve the power plays, they got to put up more shots. They're doing all those extra passes. They're not getting all those shots up. And the reason they one of the, one of the reasons they won game one and two versus the Devils. Obviously, they played well. But the Devils kind of played like the Rangers played last night. Yeah, well, the Rangers were, and thank you for the call, Young Josh. The Rangers were as flat as could be last night. I mean, the Rangers looked like the Mets did tonight. You know, it's one thing, you see, to me, the Mets were more pathetic tonight than the Yankees because the Yankees, you look at their lineup, like they just don't have the guys right now in there. The Yankees' construction, roster construction, is worse coming in. And I know that they're banged up, but even with Josh Donaldson, you think that makes much of a difference? Harrison Bader's there for his defense, so I'm not going to go nuts about that. All right, John Carl Stanton changes the looks of things, but he's streaky as well. But it's the Yankees putting together this roster that is not very Yankee-like. And the Mets, you know, they just, it's hard to explain sometimes. When you're at home like that, you know, the Mets the Mets rolled out there basically their primary lineup. Nemo, Marte, Lindor, Alonzo, McNeil, Vogelback, Beatty. Uh, they got Guillaume instead of Marcana, and they got Alvarez. That's basically their best lineup. The Yankees lineup is nowhere near their best lineup. And the Mets' best lineup goes scoreless and only has five hits against the crappy Washington Nationals. So they were as flat as the Rangers were last night to me. Lifeless, pathetic effort. I'm not going to say the Devils were like that in games one and games two. I thought the Rangers were just that much better in those games. Anyway, it was an ugly night for both the baseball teams. We'll do more on the Rangers, of course, the week goes on. Game five now on Thursday night. Uh, at the Rock, where I mean, it's now the best of three. Two of those, two of those games are at uh, at the Rock. Rangers find themselves in a little bit of trouble here. Maybe trouble is not the right word, but they had a golden opportunity and they didn't take advantage of it. Dave is calling from Comac. What's up, Dave? Hey, how are you, Sal? Good, Dave. How are you? Got a question for you. Uh, I don't know if you saw the Islander game on uh, what was it Sunday. I did not. I was at the Nick game. Okay. So you know about the the referee situation. I'm sure you heard about this. That the first uh, period, there were a lot of hitting by the Islanders against Carolina. And the second third is, is almost non-existent. Uh, and uh, tell me if I'm wrong on this. Is the Islanders all of a sudden become, pardon the expression, gun-shy? That uh, they're afraid of racking up more penalties? Because every time they hit in the second or attempted to hit in the first period, they got hit with a bunch of penalties. And that's what makes me believe they didn't do anything in the second and third period. Yeah, it could be. I mean, that's certainly the case because I guarantee you they're being told to stay out of the box. I mean, obviously, but that's a thing. So, game, Well, I mean, if the if the ref is going to keep calling for friggin' penalties, then you got to be careful. And I know I heard about the officiating and how Islander fans were complaining about it, and I understand that. Um, you hope the that's not the penalty I saw, I think it was the second period, for, uh, if I'm not mistaken, He's staying there doing nothing, right? And all of a sudden, he's getting called for penalty. And I'm like, why? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, Dave, the officiating is never going to be um, on point uh, at, at all times. So the Islanders have 
and maybe not been getting the benefit of the whistle here. You hope that that changes at the very least for Game 6 and then force a Game 7? I think they're going to gonna lose in Game 6 for Game 7, just like they did with Tampa two years ago. Yeah, I, I, I hope that's not the case, Dave. You know, I, I think the Islanders deserve a better fate. First of all, I hate the Canes. I just can't stand them. I don't think they're good for hockey. There's nothing appealing about them, not where they're from, not the jerseys, not the look. I'd rather them go back to Hartford. Anyway, I want the Islanders. I hope they get a big-time performance because it was disappointing, to say the least, in Game 4 on the island at UBS. I hope they at least get a big-time performance in Game 6 and force a Game 7, and we'll have you know we'll get to enjoy a must-watch Game 7 do-or-die for the Islanders yet again. Yeah, well, I mean, Dave, you know, you know what? At, at this point, the Rangers got their own problems, so I'm not. Well, I can't. You don't understand what I'm talking about. If, what? If, if what you're saying is that the Islanders pull out Game Seven, right, mm-hmm. and they wind up, and the Rangers pull out whatever game they do to beat the uh, the Devils, right? You're talking about an Islanders-Rangers matchup, and if you know the Islanders, they always show up somehow to beat the Rangers. Yeah, I know. I'm not. Look, I'm not running from that day where. Oh, no, I get it. I know what you're saying. If I were, and thank you for the call, Dave, if I were, and I think I might have said this, but after the first two games in Jersey, I was legitimately feeling, now I felt this way before the postseason, but certainly after watching the first two games in Jersey, I felt like the Rangers were going to win the Stanley Cup. Which is why I was saying I want the Devils, I want the Islanders, I want the Lightning. Let's go, line them up. I feel like this is the Rangers' year. That's how good I felt going in, and then especially after watching those first two games. Right now, after watching game four, I do not trust the Rangers. So if you were to tell me the Islanders go on a run here and win three straight, and obviously the next two, game six and then game seven, and and that's a long shot because it's going to be hard to beat Carolina twice in their building. Can be done. But we'll see if the Islanders are up for the test. First, got to take care of business in Game 6 before winning again on the road in Game 7 in Carolina. Anyway, if the Islanders get there and the Rangers somehow were able to win two of these next three from the Devils, I would not be stunned at the end result if the Islanders knocked off the Rangers. At this point, I don't think you can be stunned with the inconsistencies, the disparity that we've seen from the Rangers. The highest of highs, and then an extreme low in Game 4 at home. You cannot have that type of performance. And you're right, with the Islanders and Sorokin, for some reason, they've had the Rangers number. 877-337-6666. We'll continue with the calls on the other side. Whatever it is you want to discuss on this Tuesday night. We're down to 50 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Starts. This happened. You talked about it on the fan. What a move by Starks! When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Sal Licata back on the fan. So tomorrow night, with the Yankees having an afternoon game looking to avoid the sweep in Minnesota. I'll be on 7 p.m. to midnight, so we got five full hours, and of course, the Knicks are going to be playing starting at 7 o'clock, Game 5, so we'll have an eye on that, but because of that, you know, the Mets will be playing as well, taking on the Nationals at 7 o'clock, because of those games being ta- you know taking place, we are going to do a full 
NFL show. Basically, Rogers talk, wall-to-wall, draft stuff, have Mike Golick Jr. scheduled to come on at 8 o'clock and break down the draft. So that's why I haven't been really doing much of Rogers yesterday and tonight. Now, if you want to call and talk about it, I'm fine with that. But remember, Rogers speaks tomorrow as well, 2 p.m., his press conference, which is something that's going to be finally new. The last time we heard from him was the McAfee appearance weeks ago. Now he's going to be an official member of the Jets. It is a huge day tomorrow for the New York Jets and their organization and their fan base, and we'll be doing a lot of Rogers, basically the entire show, probably, probably the first three hours of the show at least until the Knicks wrap up, and then we can talk some Knicks and, and maybe some Mets or whatever, but it's going to be a Aaron Rodgers-heavy show tomorrow at 7 o'clock, and it should be lots of excited Jet fans, I would think, although we do need to curb the enthusiasm a little bit. You know what I mean? You can't go from one of the worst teams uh, in the last you know, 10 plus years to all of a sudden Super Bowl bound. People are getting a little bit nuts right now. Anyway, more of that tomorrow. 877-337-6666. Leo is calling from Brooklyn. Let's try it again, Leo. You there? What the hell's going on with Leo? Rosie, what is his deal? So Leo said his phone was on mute the first time, and the second time you went to him, and as soon as you clicked it, he dropped. Yeah, uh, I'm aware. That's twice that we went to him, and he's not there. Now, Leo usually reliable. Uh, what is going on here? I can understand the. Yeah, that is unfortunate. All right, I think that's it. For, yeah, well, with Leo, everybody else seems to be okay. Joe is calling from Monroe, Connecticut. What's up, Joe? Hey, Salvador, how you doing? Joe, how are you, man? I'm doing great, brother. I'm doing great. Just want to talk a little about the Knicks and uh, maybe a little bit about the Yankees. But first off, on the Knicks. Um, I think Thibodeau, he's doing a great job coaching this team. Um, I think uh, Brunson was the greatest thing that they did, getting him in here. Uh, Josh Hart has been a, a great attribute to this team, coming in off the bench, just doing his thing. Uh, as far as uh, – uh, 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 sorry, Barrett coming off, you know, he had a great couple of games. He's doing really well. I think he needs to pick it up and, and keep this momentum going. Um what do you think about? You know, people are going nuts, Joe. Uh, people are going nuts about R.J. Barrett uh, talking about uh, curb your enthusiasm. I, I think everybody needs to calm down. I mean, people. I saw, I saw Steph Bondi writing about it. The Daily News. People should give R.J. Barrett his flowers. No, 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 dude. R.J. Barrett still is not any good. Or th- there's a reason why fans are critical of R.J. Barrett. It's because he shoots way too much and he can't shoot the ball. R.J. Barrett cannot shoot. End of story. He cannot shoot. He cannot shoot, and that's his problem. And you know, he's contributing when he can, and you know, doing everything that he that he that you know is able to do as far as. You well, know, he's got to attack the rim. It's if he were attacking the rim, and if he improved his free throw shooting a little bit, if he attacked the rim and shot right. better free throws, it'd be fine. We know that he's got limitations. Unfortunately, for a two guard, he can't shoot. I mean, that's a problem. But still, I'd live with it. I don't want him shooting threes. I, I agree. I agree. He needs to hit his free throws, absolutely. But as far as heart goes, I mean, this guy—he's—he's mm. he's New York. He bleeds New York. He's a New York guy. I mean, he's all about the team. I think the Knicks need to sign him after this season. Um, I Brunson is carrying this team. He's doing his thing. He is hitting clutch shots. He is making moves. He's making the team so much better. And I love what the Knicks are doing. All I can hope for is that Miami. Wins out, so we can play Miami instead of going up to uh, against the um, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and and Milwaukee. I think they have a better shot against 
against Miami, considering the A seed, and, and you know, we, we match up pretty well against them. Um, but my question is, do you think that Thibodeau – I mean, I believe he made the right call on benching um, uh, Julius Randle in that last fourth quarter. I mean, okay, maybe he's hurting a little bit, but he was off completely the other night, completely off, and he was just – Two games in a row. Two <laughs> games in a row Randle's been off. I mean, it, but I love Randall. I think I think he's great. He's the number two. Jalen Brunson is the guy. He's the playmaker. He's hitting clutch shots. He's doing a fantastic job running this team. But I have to give it up to Thibodeau. In this series, I think Thibodeau's out is, is, is coaching is everything. And I think he's doing a better job than the Cavs coach. And tomorrow night's game, I, I honestly believe that if, if the Cavs show up in game two, fine. The Knicks are flat. They were off. Uh, Barrett had a had a bad game, but if everybody shows up and they did, I mean, I have no reason not to believe that the Knicks are going to advance, of course. And if they play Miami, I think they have a great opportunity. Yeah, to I, I don't know, Joe. I'm not getting. I don't want to get caught up. And thank you for the call. I don't want to get caught up in the Miami series. Rosie, what's going on with the the phones here? All right. Something's, I don't know, what's a little wacky here, this call screener. I'm not going to get caught up in the Miami series just yet. I understand why Nick fans are excited about that possibility. I understand why that possibility is a realistic one. But it's not there yet. Let's see the Knicks close out their second series win in the last you know 20-plus years. Let's watch that become a reality first before we start worrying about the next step, and then beyond that. I mean, people talk about already there's a path to the finals. I mean, give me a break. What I will say is you were right about Jalen Brunson. He's an absolute stud. He can get to the rim. He can pull up. He can shoot the three. There isn't anything Jalen Brunson can't do. He's a legitimate superstar. The Knicks got lucky, and they were smart for it. They didn't just get lucky. A a little bit of both. They were very smart. And, And, you know, look, they have his father, so obviously in his relationship there with Rose. You mentioned Josh Hart. That also is a credit to Leon Rose and his staff, whether it's Scott Perry, everybody in that front office who has been criticized and ridiculed. Remember, Tibbs was, you mentioned Tibbs, and he's been great too, but he was going to get, I mean, he was on his way to getting fired this year. This year, in the beginning of this year, we were heading down that path that we were all too familiar with with the Knicks. Here we go again. This front office doesn't know what they're doing. They're going to have to fire Tibbs because he's not getting the job done. They're going to have the coaching merry-go-round start again. Where every two years they're fire, hiring and firing guys. That was very close to becoming a reality. And then they turned it around to the level of this which is they're going to, in all likelihood, be in the second round. I mean, they won one away from the second round, and they've been the better team by far. And obviously, if they lost at this point, it'd be a disaster. But they're they're up 3-1 in the first round, where they might be looking at a second round without Giannis. And they are playing, you know, solid basketball. I still watch the Knicks, though, even, you know, being at the Garden on Sunday, and it was great, and all the atmosphere and everything, and, and they were, you know... They were they were fine. They were not great. They were not a clean, crisp, you know, playing at the height of their game type team. They're not a championship caliber team. They're way too sloppy with the basketball. 
nowhere near as good enough shooting the ball from downtown that you need to be. Now, they have a lot of good things going for them and some good players. I'm not so sure they beat Miami. I know everybody is excited about no Milwaukee, and they have an opportunity, you know, they'd have a chance to beat Miami where you feel like they'd have no chance to beat Milwaukee. I don't think, unfortunately, the Knicks are going to beat Miami. Just right now, my gut feel. Assuming that they get there and that the Heat finish off their series as well, I don't feel like. I think Knicks fans are overvaluing what the Knicks are doing and undervaluing what Miami is capable of. 877 337, but I do think it'd be a hell of a series, especially with their history. 877 337 66. We'll continue with your calls on the other side, whatever it is you want to talk about on this Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning in a matter of minutes. We'll uh, get you updated and all that stuff, but then back to your calls on the other side. It's Sal Licata on the fan. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 